This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, January 30th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week in JAMA Internal Medicine is titled First Trimester Use of Buprenorphine or Methadone and the Risk of Congenital Malformations. This cohort study found that the prevalence of congenital malformations overall and several malformation subtypes was lower among pregnant individuals treated with buprenorphine compared with methadone, excluding for gastrointestinal malformations. The study found an 18% relative risk reduction for malformations overall, which translates to one less event per 100 patients treated with buprenorphine versus methadone. Our next study, in addiction, is titled Reduced Drug Use as an Alternative Valid Outcome in Individuals with Stimulant Use Disorders. Drawing from 13 randomized controlled trials of pharmacological interventions for stimulant use disorder, this study found more participants reduced frequency of primary drug use than achieved abstinence. Reduced use was significantly associated with decreases in craving for the primary drug, drug seeking behaviors, and depression severity. Moreover, reduced use was associated with sustained clinical benefit at follow-up. Our next study in alcohol and alcoholism is titled Meeting Makers Make Meaning, Alcoholics Anonymous Participation and Personal Meaningfulness. This study explored associations between specific dimensions of involvement with Alcoholics Anonymous and changes in affect. The dimensions studied were meeting attendance, fellowship involvement, and 12-step work. Significant association was found between positive affect and meeting attendance, as well as fellowship participation. The authors found no significant association related to 12-step work. A new study in European Heart Journal is titled Cannabis for Chronic Pain, Cardiovascular Safety in a Nationwide Danish Study. This study explored the arrhythmia risk associated with cannabis use for chronic pain. The outcome variable was the new diagnosis of arrhythmia during the 180 days following initiation of medical cannabis. The study found that the medical cannabis patients had twice the risk of new onset arrhythmia compared to control, with arrhythmia diagnosed in 0.8% of medical cannabis patients and 0.4% of control. There is no association of medical cannabis use and acute coronary syndrome, stroke, or heart failure. The next study is in the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry and is titled Substance Use Outcomes from the Child-Adolescent Anxiety Multimodal Extended Long-Term Study. In this study, researchers examined the prevalence of substance use in a follow-up study of the Child and Adolescent Anxiety Multimodal Study, or CAMS, in which youth were randomized to medication, cognitive behavioral therapy, a combination of the two, or placebo, for anxiety treatment. Patients were assessed annually over four years. In all four follow-ups, the study participants had significantly lower rates of SUD than the overall population. This study is consistent with other evidence and supports treatment of anxiety in youth as potential secondary prevention for SUD. The next article, Medications for Opioid Use Disorder Increased Among Louisiana Medicaid Enrollees During Policy Reforms 2018-2021, is in Health Affairs. The study found that MOUD use more than tripled from 2018 to 2021 among Louisiana Medicaid enrollees diagnosed with OUD. 
Most of this increase in MOUD was attributable to buprenorphine use. Methadone uptake also contributed to greater MOUD use, but was almost exclusively used by enrollees treated in non-residential settings, whereas naltrexone was consistently used in residential treatment. Differences in the MOUD use of demographic groups was evident, with MOUD use highest among those who are white, older, comorbid, and lived in a metropolitan area. Our next study, intranasal naloxone for opioid overdose, is in JAMA. The authors note that though intramuscular naloxone is more effective, intranasal naloxone significantly increases the odds of surviving opioid overdose. Communities that trained more than 100 people per 100,000 in the use of intranasal naloxone had a 46% reduction in opioid death rates. As a result, the CDC recommends naloxone be prescribed when opioid prescriptions exceed 50 morphine equivalents daily or when opioids are co-prescribed with benzodiazepines. Naloxone is also advised for settings where children could access opioids. Our final article, an expert review of clinical pharmacology, is titled An Update on the Clinical Pharmacology of Kratom. Kratom contains 40 alkaloids, primarily mitrogeline, and these alkaloids bind to opioid, serotonin, and adrenergic receptors. Anecdotally, kratom has been used to treat pain, opioid withdrawal symptoms, and psychiatric disorders, including depression and anxiety. This article reviews the limited studies and evidence of kratom's use for pain and opioid withdrawal, and concludes that research is needed to better understand kratom's potential therapeutic effects and toxicity, as well as the role of each of its components. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.